Welcome to the TN Popcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. Hey, Leland. Hello, Moby. Happy belated birthday. Yes, thank you. A birthday in which I was uh, playing a game with you that we will be actually talking about this episode. My goodness. <laughs> having just enjoyed <laughs> having just enjoyed a uh, beautiful pizza dinner and relaxing with some alcohol, my foot started to randomly hurt, which kind of put a damper on the weekend's festivities and not really sure what's going on there. But luckily, podcasting involves me sitting on my ass talking to a microphone for three hours. So. <laughs> no effect there. <laughs> but uh, excited for uh, this this week's episode, kind of diving into... I, I would describe this episode as laid back, even compared to our normal episodes. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not really intense we don't have a guest we're just just you know discussing a few fun topics and then you know we'll get the hell out and next month's episode seems like it's gonna have a pretty exciting guest no spoilers but uh yeah cool should be good i like it um banter yeah you don't really have any you said right so um i, I mean I well yeah in. i got one i got one thing i, I go okay, i'll bring well, up jump one. in with your one uh, okay, well, yesterday I binge-watched Sweet Tooth, the Netflix oh. original. I guess it's based off of a graphic novel, I think, judging by some of the, like, a DC Comics um, book. And it's just, like, uh, an apocalyptic virus has wiped out a lot of the population. At the same time, all the babies being born are animal-human hybrids, which they call hybrids. And it follows this one kid who's, you know, uh, whose dad took him out into the woods at the beginning of all the, the apocalyptic shit. Lived out there for like 10 years until his dad, you know, someone found them and they got they caught the virus and his dad died. And now he's out looking for his mom, basically. Oh, it's interesting. Uh, there's a little there's some hokey things with it. I also think that the season ended at a dumbass part where like. It was like it ended an episode or two before the finale of the season. Like it was, it was a mm. weird spot. I don't. It's like eight episodes long. It's not very long, although they are like forty to fifty minute episodes. So it's a sizable uh, series. Overall, I liked it. It was interesting. Interesting. So, so this kid who hid away for ten years is he like a normal kid? He's not a hybrid. No, he is a hybrid. So he's uh he's like a deer. He's a deer boy. <laughs> He's got antler antlers and uh, deer ears, and has some heightened like senses, like a deer would, like uh, smell and and sound, or, or sorry, hearing, smell and hearing. Okay, okay, yeah, that seems interesting. There's like this whole thing about you know, so hybrids are ba- are actually hunted by this organization called the Last Men, which they have kind of seemingly they, they've become this the military of the this disjointed country now. There's, you know, very few laws other than what's uh, enforced by these last, the last men. And they hunt the hybrids because basically they've purported that the hybrids is what caused the killer virus and all this stuff. So it's, it's all these, these, yeah. So the kid's being hunted basically the whole time because most hybrids can't speak. But like his dad, like he, he grew up like being tutored by his father so he can actually speak English where I guess is. Generally, when the hybrid is born, I guess they were either discarded or because they want nothing to associate, to, like don't want to be associated with them. So they're more animalistic than human, just as a result of being 
cast out and not raised amongst humans, I guess, is what they was going for. Um, right. So, you know, the few times that people meet the boy and they see him like, oh, you're a hybrid that can talk. That's like a big thing. Like, my goodness, you can speak is, is, a, is, a, is a surprise, basically. <laughs> so it kind of sets him apart from the other hybrids. But again, I, I it doesn't feel like it's because he's actually special. It's just because of his upbringing. It's a circumstance of his upbringing. So I'm not sure if there is supposed to be more to that there. I, I don't know. Yeah, that does sound like an intriguing little show. Maybe I'll have to give it a watch. Throw it yeah, on and see might, what happens. You might like it. You might like it. On my end, I just wanted to actually bring up something I did with uh, some of my friends yesterday. We're kind of scattered all over. I met them through this... Uh, this group of fans of psychology shit and um, our group. And then some people invited some of their friends from the group. We play this giant game of what's called Gartic phone. Um, it's a free online game. Uh, you just have to go to, and we'll put this in the show notes, but you just have to go to www.gartic, G A R T I C phone.com. And it's kind of like this free flash game. Basically what you do is you create a character and then you have to create a line, like a silly line. Like mine was one of mine was like Trump trying to get a deal at Walmart. And then someone has to draw that. But then the thing is it goes through a bunch of phases. This is why it's better when it has more people where, you know, so then someone draws the Trump, at Walmart what they think but then someone else has to write what they thought that scene was and then another person has to draw it based off that new interpretation of the scene and we had it so we had enough people that it would like flip each picture would go like back and forth like three times and it would be crazy to see what the end result is so (laughs) once you're done once you're done all of those it goes through each player what they said was their scene to start because everybody types their scene to start and uh, it goes through slowly and shows like picture write up like who said what who drew the picture and who drew the uh, or who wrote up the interpretation and it's just it's just hilarious like you cannot have a bad game where you're not laughing a ton mind you we had one game where someone like forgot to submit their description in time so then the next person just drew a giant S and then someone else like said S and then it was like S another bigger S. I guess that one was kind of boring because the chain kind of fell apart. Um, but but overall it was it was fun. You know, it like go from we had one that was like from like the queen knighting a child to like a demon pirate on a horse killing a one-eyed child like somehow that's the oh my goodness. <laughs> that flipped to so um, it's completely free and unlike some of the other um free online games you just go to a website to play like scriblio um the ads in this one are very non-intrusive there's really just a small banner ad on the left side that you almost can't even really notice unless you look for it and otherwise, like the game doesn't force you to watch like 30 second commercials or anything like that. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun for, uh, I would say a moderate group. I would say five plus people, maybe four, four would be the minimum, four or five plus people uh, to play online quickly where you don't really need to learn anything. And again, a, a free game. So I, I wanted to bring that out. And like I said, uh, we'll, we'll put the uh, URL in the show notes. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
But uh, seeing as we're in the, the dregs of June, it's not like there's a ton of banter-worthy stuff going on. So I think that's all we got. Okay, well, let's get into the, I think, what's going to be the sizable chunk of the episode. In video game variety show, our mead-soaked purgatory, where we are going to be discussing slash reviewing, I guess, Valheim. Yes. Valheim has been taking up a certain amount of all of our time in the past week or <laughs> yes, so. Yes, a certain amount is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we basically jumped on it every chance we can get. Um, we're building... Well, before we get into what we're doing, Leland, why don't you give kind of a... You're good with synopsis. Why don't you kind of give an overview of what uh, Valheim is for listener if, okay. if they don't know? Essentially... You are a Viking that has been returned to, I guess, Valheim is the world, by Odin because the uh, Odin's enemies and opposing forces have come back to the land. You are sent there to reclaim it and defend it against said forces. It's basically you get dropped into a, a procedurally generated world. It's always like you generate random seeds when you create the server. Server can have up to 10 players. So you, this it's like a co-op game. Like the 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 main enjoyment out of I think is being able to play it with a bunch of your friends. And I know up to ten people is is pretty uh, pretty good. Like it's not MMO level, but it definitely has some MMO feels to it. Uh, it and I'll say this pro- possibly out of ignorance, but having never played World of Warcraft, it feels very World of Warcraft to me. <laughs> as far as some of the aesthetics and maybe some of the the graphical choices. Uh, it seems pretty f- familiar to me. Uh, again, having never actually played the game, but being familiar with World of Warcraft. So basically, you you jump in and there's like you know it's a survival game where you're you're constructing your base. You have to defend it against enemies. Um, I think there are like five main bosses that you can mm-hmm. seek out in the land. Uh, you can just you can just do a lot of things. There's you know a, basically a it's not really a tech tree, but there is an advancement in technology that you will go through. Some of it is dependent on previous tech, but others is not, I guess. You know, there's there's aspects of that as far as like mining for minerals. You'll need a certain level of pickaxe made of a certain material to be able to mine additional things. You know, same with your axe and all your tools, right? They'll give you access to a higher degree of resource. To build better things, basically, it's pretty standard fare, honestly. Yeah, I uh, it's it's the first kind of game like this that I played. I was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it. I mean, we all played it together. You're kind of just, you know, dropped into this world. It's it's gigantic. Like the the procedurally generated world that you're dropped into is enormous. The amount that we played still an actual area that we've explored, like actually walked through probably 15% of the world. I mean, there's a lot of point A to B that we've done where we've say found where a boss is and trekked through there or a metal deposit. Yeah. We're not really exploring the world in totality. We're just trying to get done what we want to get done. And so it's kind of, we're just exploring slivers of the world. Um, but it, it's just, it's huge. It's very well animated. Like the procedural generation seems to make like a believable world, like forests are where you would expect and swamps are swamps and the transition is pretty cool. Um, I like how you're dropped with like literally nothing, like you're in loincloths and that's it. 
And Mm -hmm. you basically have to punch, literally punch small trees to gather your first little bit of wood, which will let you build like a club. And then you get, uh, you find some flint by the shore. When you find the shore, you can build like a flint axe between that and wood. And just to see like where you can bring your technology from literally nothing is, is really cool. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like the point where I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't really know how you judge your progression in this game. I mean, other outside of like the type of gear that you have, maybe like if you were to speak to another group of friends playing in their server and trying to compare where they are in the game, I don't really know what metric you could use. I guess just gear and maybe what boss you've you've completed. I don't know. But there's so many different ways you could progress through the game or, or, or different different speeds at which you could, I guess, is more accurate. Like you could spend 50 hours in here and, and not beat the second boss and have, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, I, I mean, shit, you could, I don't think there's anything that holds you back from getting to like iron and silver, like in where we are and, and crafting that stuff. Like, I don't think it's boss related other than beating the very first one, I believe. Yeah. The first one seems to unlock a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure you could get to iron um, without beating the second boss if you wanted to over prepare. And actually, that's not such a bad idea because the level of difficulty with these bosses, listener, really jumps. Yeah, it seems to be exponential. I would say for all of them, mind you, the, the, the jump was definitely biggest so far from one to two. Two to three, the third boss was difficult. We, a bunch of us died on him and had to come back. But he had a pattern that we were able to ascribe where the second boss really didn't. At least not before we just killed him through blunt force. <laughs> um, but I've seen, what I've seen online is people mostly, you were asking about how, how to judge progress. People mostly like call it their Bronze Age or their Iron Age or their Silver mm. Age. And that's how they go uh, with that tech level. That's interesting. But you could feasibly skip one of those ages, though. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, my friend Joe, who joined us uh, for my birthday playing on Friday, um, he's decided to skip the Iron Age altogether and just go straight to silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, especially now, I guess now that we've, we've beaten the third boss, you do get an item from him that does make it easier to find silver, which I guess is could be considered a limitation of before you advance to silver i guess but you can find it without that item it's just a lot harder so again there's there's it's not an actual barrier as far as progression goes through the game i really i think there's very minimal amounts of those other than difficulty uh in the enemies depending on what biome you're in because there are different biomes that you can find around the world i mean even like Still, the planes feel so difficult and deadly there, even with our pretty top tier gear we have. About as top tier as we can get right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's those annoying deskitos and lots lots of new enemies there. It's Again, I think the, the difficulty ramps going towards planes from some of the other biomes. Like, you know, Swamp was kind of a little difficult, but I wouldn't say it was like hellish compared to black forest which is the second biome but yeah those planes are really difficult yeah well i don't know where would you put the mountain because the mountain really comes down to wolves 
And <laughs> would wolves be, I mean, wolves tore the shit out of me to start. Yeah, they're, I mean, when, if you get attacked by a whole pack, like you you just don't have the stamina because of course you have a stamina bar, which dictates the amount of actions you, you know, in a certain time period that you can take, whether that's attacking, sprinting, rolling, uh, mining, chopping down trees, like all that kind of shit, right? Again, it's, it's all standard fare. There isn't really anything here that feels entirely unique to this game because there's only a certain, there's only a, a number of things that this style of game can offer. Um, I guess the, the, just the difference is the way it's presented to you. I suppose I don't really know what, why this is, why this is a, as appealing and addicting as it is. But I, you, th- you think about I, when I think about other games that I've been addicted to, like Factorio and Stardew. They do all offer this similar kind of. You physically see the way you're progressing, I guess, is maybe what it is. And you just always want to continue to get more progression. So it just draws you in and sucks you in. And like the manner in which it gives you the the, the tools to to get to that progression doesn't really matter. All that matters is you get the you get that progression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think in my case, what's so appealing is there's so many different ways to be helpful to your tribe. So, like, I really enjoy, I I think this happened, like, Thursday night or something. You know, Marty, Ghost Marty, that's the nice thing about this game, too, since it takes place in a warrior's purgatory, spiritual purgatory. It's a very thin link for us to meet Marty in the spirit (laughs) world. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so it's easy for him to... (laughs) That's right. It's easy for uh, Marty to 5G into this, this world. Uh, and play with us. And so he's there. Yeah, we're playing with him. He, he comes from hell. Um, but Marty was low um, burning his fires, which run on coal. He was smelting. And so I just said, let's take an hour and a half and just get a bunch of wood, charcoal it in the charcoal kilns and fill up Marty's coal chest. So the next day he could smell more because everybody's sharing, right? Like I'm not right. the world's biggest smelter, but everybody's sharing to help me upgrade my armor and weapons so it makes me want to help out in my own little way whether that's wood whether it's coal whether it's getting resin which we're suddenly low on food i like to hunt yeah the hunting is really important honestly like just getting the different types of food is just really important because that's for listener that's a another way where you boost your hp and your stamina bar is by consuming different types of food they'll either give you they'll give you an amount of additional hp an amount of additional stamina for a a specific time period measured in seconds um most averagely between like around 1200 seconds i've found most things last for but for 1200 seconds you'll get uh, hp regeneration as well again depending on the food all of which stack you can eat three different types of food at a time before you're full and it won't let you uh, which means, like, if you had three different types of meat, you could eat all, you know, one of each of those meats. So, it's an interesting, it's an inter- interesting system because it does keep things like hunting and cooking and farming relevant throughout the whole game. Yeah, and if there's a place where I think we're getting slowed down sometimes, it is us as a group collectively forgetting that we still need to do those basic tasks. We need yeah. to hunt. We need to farm. We need to gather wood. And we go for kind of the glory stuff. Like everybody's like, hey, we found silver. Let's get a million silver bars. Well, there's a chain of supply 
that you need to get to to have that silver refined and ready to be made into armor and weapons. Mm-hmm. And you have the game doesn't let you skip steps. You gotta you gotta get your coal. You gotta get your wood to make the coal and and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I I do I like the size of the world. It's just like it seems overwhelming at most times. Mm-hmm. But man, it's really cool just getting in a boat and sailing <laughs> like into totally. unknown territory. It's really really dope. And you can eventually craft portals, so you can always you know drop a portal and be able to have if you have one with the same name set up on the other side, just return home really easily no matter how far you go out in your boat, uh, which makes sense because when you die you just spawn at you know you you can set a spawn point at a bed. And if you don't have one over where you've where you've sailed out to, you're going to spawn all the way back at your base and have to build another boat to sail all the way back out to where you just died to get all your shit. I, it seems like death is a lot more punishing in this than it seems at the surface, too, with the as it degrades mm-hmm. your skills, because as you you know, it, it has RPG uh, mechanics in it. So you your skills are leveling up as you're using them. And obviously that dictates in some way, I don't know how the multipliers work based off of your gear on how much damage you'll do. And blah, blah, blah. again, there's nothing unique here. It's all standard fare. It's all building on the foundation that these types of games have laid for the last dec- the few decades, right? That they, they've been in existence. So it's all very important. It's, it's, all, it's all really cool to explore. But yes, you're right, Moby. There is a chain. There is, like you say, the supply chain is a perfect way to put it because yes, you need all of these previous steps before you can progress further and you have to keep going back to those previous steps making sure that supply is maintained otherwise you might find yourself stalling out yeah yeah which is is personally what i try to help us avoid that's why i enjoy doing those kind of basic tasks but we've still been slowed down um before uh like i said particularly we used to have so much resin and all of a sudden we're using resin all the time yeah yeah. and now resins become like precious again we have to hunt the little enemies to get the resin yeah so i know you had difficulty describing why this game is so compelling yet i wanted to pose the question that is this one of the best most full early access games that we've ever played in your opinion I mean, I, I gotta say, yes, like this is incredibly polished already. There's, there's a, a, a lot of, a lot of shit to do. Like you, there's, you, there's, you won't be lacking in something that you can be making progress on. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously by the time we, you know, f- defeat the last, the next two bosses after that, I don't know what is intended for you to do um, other than uh, construct across the entirety of your starting Island or something. I don't know what's expected of you. So I guess we'll wait and see uh, by the time we get there. But yeah, it it just, there's just so much shit to do. It run like the game runs really smoothly. I think maybe I've had a single disconnect error in like the 60 plus hours that we put into it. Not even collectively, like each <laughs> in the last week, yeah. like because we haven't been playing this for very long. Like we were no. fairly late comers to the Valheim party because I think this dropped in March of this year or maybe earlier. It was everyone was playing. It. it was like all the rage. It was incredibly popular. 
it's sold upwards of 7 million advanced copies on Steam. Like, it's selling like fucking hotcakes. Uh, it's just a, a gold mine for these, these developers. Like, they, they hit the jackpot with this. Like, honestly. I don't know what else yeah. they will be adding or planning to add to the game. I don't know. I haven't read anything about it. There's lots of interesting things. I know we've had discussions as we're playing. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this was here? Maybe some of them mm-hmm. don't really fit into the whole Viking thing, but I don't know. Yeah, that's always the the thing that I've noticed with early access so far when they've hit a home run like this. The developers or whoever just seem to sit back. It's almost like, well, it's selling 7 million copies. What more do I need to do? Like, right. can I sit back and enjoy my money or start a new project? Or do I really want to dive in and, you know, fix some of these little things? And there are some bugs. There are some annoying things. Um, particularly with the last update, there's a bug that makes it really annoying to actually open a chest um, oh, yeah. you can go right up to a chest you get the hotkey to open it you press it and nothing happens you basically have to quickly like press escape press open chest again and you have to do that every single time like it's yeah that's frustrating it's a yeah. major bug so i mean they've got to fix stuff like that the game i mean it definitely slows down because of what we built in our main area like it goes down like 10 fps um, sometimes <laughs> for me uh, just so many light sources and things that we built there. Yeah, I like the quick travel. I like the stargates, as we call them, to go places. Uh, they make it a little bit more challenging in that the main reason you're taking a stargate, for the most part, is to get to a mining area. But you can't actually take mined goods back through the stargate. Right, right. Yeah, there are select items that you cannot teleport with just doesn't let you walk through or it doesn't take you when you walk through the little gate uh which yeah it's that's interesting um i think to date other than ore like metal ore we found dragon egg uh those can't be teleported i don't know if there are other things eventually later that we're going to find that also can't be teleported i don't know yeah i don't know so yeah it makes it so some of those uh mining quests have been pretty epic where like marty or us have brought the the longboat because it's got so much storage out somewhere yeah and uh but you know what that longboat yeah that longboat's dope but you know what though like i don't i think it's only the ore that can't be teleported like there's nothing stopping us at a base of a mountain where we found silver to set up a bunch of smelters in a mini base and smelt it right there and take the bars back through the portal i didn't think of that actually that's a good idea. Yeah. See? And this is what it is, li- listener. This is how it goes. So, you know, you just talk because we're on Discord as we play. And someone comes up with an idea like that. And it's like, Kate, there goes the next two hours. <laughs> Let's <laughs> right. bring stuff over and start smelting at the base of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. You know, people just get an idea for something like that. Um, someone wants to go explore. Kate, fine. Take the boat. That's going to be a few hours. Like, just the time just piles up. So, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I want to get into criticisms. If you have some criticisms there, Leland, uh, of the game. Criticisms. What have I found? Oh yeah. Okay. So I think a, a large aspect of the game is construction and it's, it's this, the construction system could be better. Like it's a little, Mm -hmm. it's difficult. Um, particularly, I'm, I I guess it, the game tries, I think, to employ some amount of physics, predominantly like water physics, which are really good. I do like the way the water, 
uh, like as you're, you're you're carving your way through the waves and stuff like that. But when it comes to building, it makes the construction more difficult because you usually have to be on the same level of something if you want to put something on top of the other. Otherwise, because you, you can't get your cursor on top of what you're trying to lace it, right? So you have to, you're going to have to build yourself scaffolding most of the time, which is, I mean, it's interesting that you have to do that, but it's also annoying when you just want to quickly throw up uh, like a rampart or something we have on, on the gates. Like when I'm building our stone towers that have a, a walkway connected to them on either side of our gates, if the ground isn't level, it makes it a real pain in the ass to make sure the top level, the top walkway is level. So I've had to like put down walkways on the ground from like one tower, build like four four planks across, which is, you know, span the distance. So I have a measuring tool, like I'm making measuring tools for myself and then I can <laughs> dig into the ground to make it so I hit a level where the first stone of the next tower is at that measuring tool, right? So, like, I don't know. It's way, Whereas if I was able to just put the walkway across and then add the stones to that end of that walkway and build down as opposed to build up, like, you know, obviously it doesn't make any sense because you can't have a big stone chunk suspended from this little wooden walkway. It just crumbles in the game's physics. Yeah. I don't know. I think there could be more leniency when it comes to that kind of stuff. I think it would make the constructing uh, one, it would make it faster. And I think it would make it more f- fulfilling as well. Mm-hmm. That's one of my, I think that's my biggest complaint. It would probably be mine too. I don't build a lot there. I'm um, just because I find the building system, like you said, very fussy, non-intuitive. Like it's very difficult to, to line things up a lot of the time. I hate the tool to supposedly level the earth. Oh, that's, I don't know how to use it's that. garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. All it does is just pad dirt into what looks like hills, but it certainly doesn't seem to level anything. And the more you <laughs> seem to use it on the same plot, the more it seems to screw up what you're trying to do. So Yeah. You know what else it does that when you are, because you can uh, lay grass with the hoe, you can eventually um, make a stone pathway. I thought I could level, like get a path to, you know, some semblance of level, uh, something I would deem acceptable. And then I could basically go through and all I would be doing is I would be using up the stone resource, but I would basically be painting this walkway stone. But actually what it's doing is also trying to level it as you're laying stone. So it's doing that all at the same time. It's, it wasn't worth trying because it was fucking up one, what I had already tried to level. And so I don't know if I don't know how to use it properly, but I'm using up stones as I'm trying to experiment with this. I don't want to do that <laughs> because I don't want to go yeah. spend an hour getting, you know, another couple hundred stone that I just fucking mined. Yeah. Yeah. It's pr- it's pretty non-intuitive that way. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else if there's other criticisms I have. I mean, it's I, I don't know if it's related to the game, but I mentioned the slowdown in our camp. Like I have a decent enough gaming rig. And it really gets slowed down in our camp. I don't know if that's like a lack of optimization or um, if it's inevitable just because we built so much custom objects into the game in a very small area. But there's that. I, I don't know. That's probably it so far. I mean, borderline, I want to say the jump in difficulty from the first to the second boss because that will catch a lot of people unaware and unless you're in like a good group like ours you're gonna die and it's gonna be very difficult for you to get your stuff back 
I know my friend Joe couldn't do it. He he died on the second boss, couldn't couldn't get his stuff back, so he basically had to almost restart from the beginning of the game and build his all his tech up, his armor up, and go back and fight that thing a second time just because it would, like, one-hit kill him every time he'd try to grab his stuff. Oh, that's brutal. Brutal, Right, brutal. and then that's not fun. Right, it's not fun. And also, like, he's playing by himself too, right? So I wonder if there just is a point in this game designed to play cooperatively that you just can't progress by yourself? Like, is there just going to be a point where it would be just such a slog to slowly grind down a health bar by yourself like running in single hit running out as a as an attack comes down yeah that seems or just loading yourself up with like thousands of arrows and just sitting there for you know an hour hitting for like 10 points of crappy arrow damage depending on what boss you're fighting like i wonder if it'll get to that point with the next few I, I wonder, I mean, we seemed like we were almost there with the third boss, even though we knew his style. It was like, okay, run in, stab some arrows, okay, run in, stab some arrows. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I just don't think they're designed, nothing in this game is designed to be done quickly, it seems to me. Everything is a time sink. And I don't know if, I don't think, I don't know if it's fair to say that it feels uh, unnecessarily so in some areas. Uh, but it certainly seems like things could just be more streamlined for the sake of the game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the, the points I have is like, what additions would we like to see um, to the game? One of the additions, I mean, if they could revamp the, the construction, that would be great. Again, to make it more easier, more intuitive. Um, I wouldn't mind them introduce what I would call moorings, which is something you could build with uh, ropes just put it on on some flat floor um the boats we've tried to build a harbor for our boats but then storms come and just smash our boats against the rocks and destroy them which i guess that's realistic but i would love there a way to you to just simply build like i said moorings which kind of hold a boat steady during a storm so that you can put some effort into not having your boats smash up every single storm well even just so they don't float away <laughs> from the little dock yeah, that you've yeah. made. Like it's, it's literally something simple like that. Right. Or if you, I mean, there's no way to even like pull your boat. Like if you could, maybe, maybe only with the carb, the smaller boat uh, has a very limited cargo capacity. And it's one of is the first actual ship other than the raft that you can craft. And at the time when we, I remember when we first made that thing, we thought it was the fucking, best thing and like huh. this is the end all be all this is the fucking rolls royce of the ocean right now that we're fucking cruising around in it's got four slots for goods coach. fuck Feeling. we can four all slots for get goods. on this <laughs> yeah it's just like we there's you can't even like attach a rope to it to be able to like pull it in like it could just be a stamina cost again um or to try to pull it or, or and, and get it away from like a bank that you might have r run up onto yeah. Because the swimming, like, don't try to swim in this game. Just don't do it. No. <laughs> you no. Don't try to swim any amount of distance. It's so limited how far you can swim that it's worthwhile to just sit in the water until someone takes the boat around and brings, like, the ladder that's on one side of the boat near you. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know you, we can, you know, upgrade our swimming skill. And mine's low because I don't try to do it much. It's like eight out of a hundred, the skill. So I'm sure if I wanted to spend hours swimming around, I could get that much better. I mean, would it? How much better can it get? I don't like. It's, I don't know how any of it works because the game doesn't actually tell you how any, any of it works. And like the game yeah. also, because you have to go and find where these boss locations are to summon them. The clues the game give you are just the worst clues. Like to get the, the clue for the bone mass, which is the third boss, is it was something like sacrifice a body part or whatever. Because we threw in withered bones or something to some bone yeah. to, to summon it. But we have so many other parts of bodies <laughs> we could have spent 20 minutes throwing half of our inventory into this fucking glowing ooze pool to figure out what part we need to throw in there <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense yeah it, it's it's kind of a rough riddle there that it gives you and and you're right it doesn't make a lot of sense um so maybe that's something they could improve like there's definitely room for improvement in this game despite it seeming like it's uh you know, pretty complete. So question, how long do you think we're going to be playing it? Well, um, I personally, I'm feeling myself running out of steam, uh, on the game. Mm. I haven't played, I haven't played since Friday, so I didn't play it all yesterday. Um, though I didn't do anything yesterday cause I was having a shitty day, but yeah, I don't know. Like uh, in the very beginning, the drive to play was like, I got to get home and play. I'm not feeling that anymore. And actually, you know what I think it is though, is because, so what we've done is we have uh, uh, subscribed to a service that keeps our server open 24 seven. So whereas when we first started the, the person, the player that creates a service needs to be online for the other players to come on. It's, it works similarly like a Stardew co-op. It's, it works very similar. So we were finding that the, th- you know, we all like, wait, we want to play. We're playing at different times of day. And it's like, okay, it's a pain in the ass to coordinate where all four of us can jump on at the same time. Why don't we just use the service so we can all be playing all the time. And I'm feeling like, so now there is this disparity uh, of time that's being put in, particularly Ghost Marty and Chris are able to put in a whole bunch more time than you or I. Yeah. And it's feeling like, well, I'm kind of hopping in to see what's now being done. And it's like, I guess it feels like I'm not contributing as much as I was. Uh, so maybe that's like, I'm feeling I don't need to be on as much because things are getting done without me there. So I'll just come on. Like, I'll, I want to come on and take on the next boss. I'll come on and, you know, work on my farm and try to tame the wolves again. Um, I'll come on and do some mining, right? Just kind of go wherever where I feel like additional labor is what I feel is feels like I'm at now. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why, maybe that's mm-hmm. what it, the way I'm feeling now. Although I do have some projects that I'm building, like the additional stone ramparts, which are really, they do nothing, but it's just something for me to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I could see myself. I mean, I'm still a little, I think a little bit more motivated than you since I was motivated so much for just doing, the kind of basic tasks that we'll always need to do. I think the biggest turnoff for me, though, is I love the exploration. And, you know, I'll hop in the boat and I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to explore down this way. And you'll just hear, you know, Chris or Ghost Marty make, you know, the offhanded comment. Oh, yeah, I was down there fully explored it three days ago. It's just like it's not the same. Like you don't have shared line of sight listeners. So it would be new for me. 
but you know that somebody else has discovered whatever it is down there. And like, <laughs> I'd hate to sail for half an hour, pull over on the shore. And there's a giant sign like, welcome to Ghost Marty's Emporium. And there's like three Stargates bringing you home and everything from the island sitting in chests. And it's right. like, okay, that wasn't a good use of my time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the shared, the shared uh, map uncovering is something we bitched about as well wasn't it yeah it should be an option it actually would be nice if it was a toggleable option for sure but also the amount of map that fills in is not equal to the draw distance that you can see as a character like when you're in a in a ship and you're sailing you can look off to your right and see coastline but on the mini map the the amount that fills in as you're sailing through this grayed out portion like this fog of war portion is what it is it's not filling out to the shoreline. You have to get incredibly yeah. close to that shoreline to actually have it showed up on your on your map now. And there are uh, there are I think four different symbols of of uh, markings that you can you can mark on the map and you know add a description to them. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been like putting little dots saying coast as I'm sailing by in a few areas. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just it, again, it's it's only for me though because no one else can see those marks that I'm putting on. So another player can ping on the map saying, hey, I found this here and you can go in and, you know, coordinate as they're pinging you have the map up and you can put a, a marker yourself, but it's not shared. And some of the like, it would be nice if that was an option. I agree. Um, but that's really the only other criticisms I can think of at the moment. Um, everything else, I'm just having still a ton of fun with it. Um, I could definitely see... I'll either stop playing when Chris and Ghost Marty just randomly decide to slow down because I don't think I'll have the wherewithal to push the technology forward, especially alone. Or I could see us basically beating the game in relatively short order and then everyone being kind of like, okay, well, that was fun. You know, right. I'm going back to my other games. Because right. if it just becomes a sandbox after you beat the final boss, I can't see, I can't see those guys sticking around playing more. They're just not the those kind of people well because eventually we're going to hit the end of that quote-unquote tech tree like i don't know what what's the next are we going to find gold after silver i mean is that going to be the next round of armor that we can build um like what comes after silver i don't have although we're we do have ore that we cannot smelt right now no so he but i wonder if that ore though if we can't smelt that right now because of early access like are are we going to find things that we can't do anything with yet because it's early access and that hasn't been that hasn't been implemented yet right and then the question becomes is that stuff compelling enough to get us back into the game that right be the real trick totally but you i mean you gotta they have to be adding more bosses right like that's the easiest thing they can do is add more different types of bosses potentially maybe a new biome if you're going to restart your server to have it generated differently again very, very uh, what could happen is on a full release like all the early access stuff could just get wiped right once a full release drops yeah and if they do that uh i don't know that kind of suck we'd lose everything we built that so. would that would feel pretty bad yeah having to redo all that although i think though if we went back and redid things there's a lot of things we could do a lot more efficiently now that we've learned we could um we could potentially have different actual 
different bases in other areas of the world. And there's a whole nother part of this game that we haven't touched yet, because on your server, you can turn on PvP. Because you can make a public server, which I guess anybody can just drop into. And if you I, and if you have player versus player enabled, you could have like two warring, like if you had a group of, if you had a legit group of 10 people, you could have two tribes of five people setting up on either side of an island and like part of the game is just warring against each other. That could be really interesting too. <laughs> it would it would be pretty crazy. I could see what would happen though is um potentially one side would become more technologically dominant and just curb stomp you. Yeah. Now you could set up things called wards which offer you limited protection in an area, but I think you'd be, be mainly be hiding by your wards. Well, yeah, cuz if you just put them in your base behind your protected walls when you're out, I think it's just wait for you to leave your fort and just gank you because uh, you you would there is something that's toggleable is uh being visible to all other players so you would have to turn that off for yourself because everyone on the server can see you if it's on so i don't know what kind of type of feasibility there is to that but it sounds interesting yeah it does sound fun it does sound fun if you had two good tribes and they were pretty uh pretty equal then yeah i think uh i think that could be fun mm-hmm yeah, well, I guess one last thing for this uh, this segment. I, I didn't really want to rate it because it's not technically complete yet. I mean, I guess we could have, but uh, I more want to think, like, do you recommend it? And under one, what conditions to whom? I, hmm, yeah, the conditions is interesting. I certainly recommend this to anybody that has enjoyed playing an MMORPG before. Again, I think it has it'll have different feels, but there will be a lot of similar feelings to it. I definitely recommend it to anybody that has a group of friends like T Hut here. We were all looking for a game that all of us could get together and play. Uh, that's definitely an option, and I would recommend it to somebody that likes uh, crafting and survival type games because. There, like you say, playing with a group of people, there are aspects to this game that you can just straight up ignore, and you can focus on the pieces of it that you like. I and I don't know, I don't know if I would recommend just strictly playing this by yourself. I do have a solo server, which is kind of cool, just having free reign of what's built up and, and you know having full control. But eventually, it feels like the game gets so so much like it expands so much that you need more hands you need more hands so i'm not sure how much enjoyment one get i I think there might be a cap on it and obviously that varies drastically from individual to individual yeah i think that's the, the the tough part of this is there are certain individuals that would be happy just playing single player exploring building up their own um place obviously everything they do um, everything they accomplish is is theirs and theirs alone, and so there can be some pride in that. You know, I know Joe, who's pro- played alone, he's built like all these different cabins and mansions all over and done a really kind of bang-up job, but, you know, I think even in his case, he still would have preferred to play with a, a group like us. Um, and so, therefore, really, I can only suggest it based on my own biases, but my biases are that I am a social player, the games like this where you build up kind of sandboxy style, I find these only fun in a group. I would not enjoy this game much at all alone. I've tried, 
I tried to play alone and just it's not compelling at all. Hmm. So I would say I would agree with you. I would say if you've got a group, I, I would say probably four plus that you might be able to get away with three plus um, to, to kind of get to that sweet spot of enjoyment. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. You've got to have guys that aren't necessarily bossy. Everybody just wants to kind of contribute and isn't necessarily going to yell at you for not doing what they want done because that's not fun either. Um, you have to have a lot of time to be able to put into this. I think you're going to want to have a lot of time to put into this <laughs> uh, with your group. So, mm. uh, you know, keep your eye on that too. And I think that setting up a persistent server like we did was a really good idea. And it, it takes a little bit like uh, Chris having to learn how to do it, where where to rent the server, how to set it up and set all the ports and stuff like that. But, I mean, he did that maybe an hour, hour or two. Right. And um, I, I do think, I wish that was a functionality that was there as part of the game. They would make so much money offering persistent servers for a fee. Maybe that's something they'll implement in the full release. Because like it is another it is another type of infrastructure they need to set up to to collect subscriptions because it would be part of a subscription base then right it would be like right. a standard MMORPG uh, subscription model that you would be uh, yeah so I mean maybe that's coming it's like you say though I agree it's would be incredibly smart for them they would clean up on it like they would absolutely continue to clean up on it. <laughs> They would clean up on it because right now I think a lot of the hardcore players like us are are probably doing the uh, the whole persistent server thing and we're just figuring it out on our own. Right. So, yeah, so that's what I would suggest. So it's a definite, it is a definite buy though if you do have that social group and you do like the idea of exploration, building, um, starting from nothing, survival. If If all of those fall into line, I say definitely buy it. Agree. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was good. Well, we'll move on to our, our second segment here, which is movie musings. Uh, this segment is called Blockbuster Season. Kind of a minor segment here, but I mean, I, I really thought that um, we're moving into yet another year where movie theaters aren't really open and, and releases have been delayed. I mean, how the movie theater industry survives COVID awaits to be seen. Um, but my thoughts were pretty simple in that we've had decades of blockbuster releases, uh, which there's kind of, I went with a vague definition for it. I didn't even think I, I gave Leland a definition, but it's pretty much those big crowd pleasing movies. Um, they tend to be released in the summer season, uh, just because people, you know, are out of school and happier to just go see big movies. Weather's nicer to stand in line for some of them. And uh, just basically go through the back catalog and uh, bring our top five recommendations to listener. If listener wants to catch up on maybe a couple of blockbusters they haven't seen in a while or maybe have slipped through their fingers and not seen ever. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, it's funny composing a list of blockbusters. Because, again, like you say, by the very nature of a blockbuster, it's incredibly popular. Like, gen- generally, it's measured uh, like financially successful, right? So that comes with some type of pop, you know, popularity as far as once it's released or even afterwards. So it's funny, like making a recommend list of, you know, well-known movies. I thought that was <laughs> a little funny. So, so the way I went, went by making my list is I kind of just pick some of my favorites, right. In some different mm-hmm. genres. So I have a mix of genres for my top five, really, but they are ordered in my, my, you know, 
um, least favorite to most favorite. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, in my uh, case, I basically went with uh, just what I liked as my top five. And uh, actually, my number five, I had to do a little digging. Uh, One to four came together really easily. Uh, But number five, I kind of had to look through little blockbusters. And I'm like, I know I'm missing some here. And, uh, you know, found out one that, uh, that I thought, okay, well, if this counts as a blockbuster, I'll use this. So, yeah, let's start with you. So, we'll, I mean, this is pretty simple. We'll just work our way up from five to one. So, uh, in, and we'll go back and forth. Uh, so, Leland, uh, in your fifth place, what do you have? Okay, this is filling kind of my science fiction, but my number five is Men in Black. I love the original Men in Black. Like, I just remember watching it as a kid. And it was, I mean, other than Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I also watched as a kid. But, like, I fucking love Will Smith, and I've always loved Will Smith. You know, he may be a little uh, a little out there eccentric-wise nowadays or whatever, but I just like Will Smith. And uh, Kelsey, uh, or not Kelsey Grammer. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones? Yes, Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know why I jumped to Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> but, yeah, like, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith together, like, it was, it was a great fucking combination. Like, totally. how could you possibly go wrong? It's like a classic movie, right? I, I actually just... I think I rewatched Men in Black International last night because so I definitely watched it, but I think I had already watched it, but I couldn't remember for the life of me. And there were scenes that were very familiar, but there were other scenes that I had thought I'd never seen before. So I have no idea if I had watched <laughs> International before. But you can see you can see the way that it's basically, you know, the original Men in Black, but with a bit of a twist on it. Like there's I mean it's very clearly They've done this soft reboot, or tried to. I don't believe Men in Black International was was very successful critically, at least. So, so they're they're just trying to capitalize on on what the this kind of magic that was Men in Black. Like, I think I feel like at the time it was it was very out there and unique. I mean, obviously the concept of the Men in Black has been a persisting thing for forever, right? Like this covert government organization or above the government, I guess, really. So it's like intriguing, but they're not actually sinister. They're here to help us, although they are erasing people's minds, which is a sinister thing. Like it's very, their technology is just like, can be employed in very nefarious ways, but no, they're actually good. They're here to help us from the bad aliens. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's like all these different concepts just thrown together and mixed into this melting pot that just works. I don't know. It's a great movie. That that's another favorite of mine too. It's it's not on my list of five, but oh man, it's just so much fun. It's so quirky. Just even the alien designs, like you said, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith's chemistry is amazing. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is like so stoic. Mm-hmm. That's another one of those actors that has just always been old. Tommy Lee Jones has just always been <laughs> yeah. old. He was like born like a forty year old man. He's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. a little baby yeah. of like a forty year old. Hi, I'm Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, but it it just works. So no, I think that's I think that's a great choice, and that's one definitely. I would say if listener has happened to not see, yeah, look up the original like ninety. I forget if it was ninety six or ninety eight. Men in Black. I think it was ninety eight. Just yeah, definitely give that one a look up. Um, for my number five, like I said, this was the one I I had a struggle actually finding. 
And um, I ended up actually settling on Skyfall, the James Bond movie, is number Ooh. five. Um, apparently that's a blockbuster. It was like the only James Bond that came up as one of them uh, when I was looking. And Skyfall is my... What I put it as my second or my third favorite James Bond. It kind of flips between that and one called The Living Daylights. But it's certainly my favorite Daniel Craig, James Bond, a lot. Um, it felt like a really classical James Bond. Um, there's His relationship with his boss, Judy Dench, is never deeper or more meaningful in this one. Kind of as his mentor slash mom. Uh just the whole scene in Scotland at the end. I love that. You know, Javier Bardem as the bad guy, I thought worked really well, kind of as an over-the-top Bond villain. Uh, yeah, the car's back, the old Aston Martin DB5. I mean, there's just so much to like about this movie as a James Bond movie that I think it satisfies the people that even had issues with Daniel Craig in his first two movies. Oh, yeah, this is a great pick. Like, this is... Again, I'm not all that versed as far as Bond films go, but I think Skyfall is my favorite Bond film that I've seen. Like, I remember seeing this in the theaters with T-Hut. It was, yeah, great pick. Good pick. My number four fills the, I guess this is a a thriller slash kind of horror, but my number four is Jaws. Like, the original Jaws. Again, another movie that, like, persisted through my childhood. I just remember watching it with... Uh, with my mom, with my parents, and her telling me the story of my uncle, uh, or telling me the story of her seeing it in theaters, and my uncle literally jumping out of his seat at the part where they're, you know, they find the shark tooth in the shipwreck, and the dead body floats across the porthole underwater, like, (laughs) so I just, it's funny, I'm told a story about a story, but it, I just, it's stuck, and it's stuck with this movie, I, I don't know, I just... It's a it's a it's a it's a legit classic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jaws will appear on any kind of uh, list for all time blockbuster. It's this great mix of kind of a unique premise, like a homicidal shark, and then good acting, and uh, still kind of has that summer feel about it. It's it's kind of a horror movie at the same time. It does a good job, like, with what it shows you and what it doesn't show you to make you afraid of Jaws at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got gory parts, but um, it's not all just body horror. It's, uh, you know, very intense as well. Who can forget that? Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like iconic imagery and, and sounds from that film, right? Right. Right. Yeah, that's a great choice, too. In fact, that's one I think I'll give a watch over the summer. It's been a little while seen it before but it's been a little while um for my number four i've got uh the movie of 2006 for me um transformers the original michael bay transformers number one man i was such a transformers kid growing up when this thing came out and i saw the first few trailers and i loved them i was like i i don't know if there was a blockbuster i was more personally hyped for looking forward to um then transformers and uh honestly the first one by michael bay did not disappoint i thought it was a lot of fun i thought it's the second best of all the transformer movies next to bumblebee which bay didn't do and man i remember like going to the theaters with like i had bought like a transformers t-shirt transformers hat transformers belt buckle 
was like all in as a young adult. And um, yeah, saw it with a bunch of my friends, ended up seeing it. I must have saw it like four times that theatrical run. And it was just awesome. So it's Dang. my number four. Nice. Nice job. Uh, okay. My number three fills uh, the animated niche here. Man, uh, The Incredibles. Holy crap. This mm. is another one that I saw, like, came out when I was young, in my formative years. I This was such a great movie that still holds up today. Uh, the sequel is also pretty good. Uh, but, you know, just not comparable to the original. I just this movie like I don't know it's got all those like family feels and all that shit and uh, again a very <laughs> persistent theme through these top five is like they they're like shaped me you know <laughs> like the rest of my picks are, I think the geez I don't know when the Incredibles came out early two thousands I think right like that's about as new as my kind of picks get really uh, but yeah the original Incredibles such such a great I think it and it was like in the early you know, uh, the early renaissance maybe of these animated films. Like I think very shortly after we really got that glut, uh, of really good animation that, that came out of, out of Pixar and stuff. Right. So yeah, if you haven't seen this, it's, it's a, it's another, another great animated film. Yeah, that's a good one. I've only seen that one once. And so maybe that's when I should go back again. I remember it was that good. They had the good melding of like adult humor in it as well as, you know, just being in general enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, my number three, you might go like, what movie? This low? Um, I'm going with Jurassic Park. It's my number three. Okay. And, and uh, Jurassic Park, I mean, actually probably the first blockbuster I ever saw in theaters. I remember my dad through his company at the time got tickets and we actually saw one of the uh, uh, premieres. And I remember, you know, my mom frantically slapping her hand over me and my brother's eyes so that we didn't see the horror of the dinosaurs fully eating some of the people um, <laughs> during that movie. But later I saw it and, hey, I got Mr. DNA, so I didn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get him censored, so that that's a win. Um, but, I mean, when you talk blockbuster, Jurassic Park, I mean, just just the effects – I believe my number two pick should have been more lauded for the special effects breakthrough, hint, hint. But um, Jurassic Park does get lauded for kind of uh, really revolutionizing the movie industry for its use of computer graphics. Uh, It was kind of like an experiment at the time where some people from ILM just basically went to Spielberg and said, hey, look, I know you're trying to do this with stop motion, but I think we can do this with uh, uh, computer graphics and Phil Tippett, the computer gra- or the stop ocean animator, says he he's like become extinct. He actually said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Um, which actually wasn't true. He ended up being still used for decades in the movie industry. Um, his stop motion was so good as kind of reference points. So he still had a good business there. But as far as actual animating on film, uh, that kind of transformed. And yeah, like. What, what can you not say about Jurassic Park? Like, so many meme-worthy quotes, so many great actors, Goldblum, um, Sam Neill, uh, well, I, I don't know, just go down the list, and just plain damn enjoyable. Like, I don't know what else you say about Jurassic Park. Yeah. No, if you no. have anything to say, unless it's on your list. <laughs> Jurassic Park is actually my number two. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, you're, you're right. Like, this is another, like, we went and saw, uh, it's, I think it was its 20th anniversary re-release in theaters. We all went and saw. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's great. Like, it's still what, like, like stop animation and animated uh, creatures are, are compared to, right? It's always this benchmark that is being compared to its effects, right? It's a, it's another what I mean, it's spawning sequels that are still grossing ridiculously at the box office, right? Even though they, they suck. Totally. <laughs> like, like Fallen Kingdom sucked. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like now that a franchise has evolved into basically just dinosaurs on screen, whereas Jurassic Park was, yes, it was dinosaurs on screen, but it, there was more of the, the overall conversation of like playing God kind of thing, right? Like what right. is the are the limits of our science and should we impose limits on ourselves because is this step we're taking one step too far uh, in the realm of our own reality kind of stuff, right? So there was like this higher concept to the film that just the this, the recent sequels especially just I don't think they have. They just don't have. Or if, and if it's there, the bits of it that are there are, it's just like this caricature that's just kind of twisted. Um, and almost like it's, they're just really putting it in there as a callback to, you know, where they, where these films came from. Um, but it just doesn't do it service. No, no, completely agreed with you. It's kind of lost that, that heart and that human component, which was pretty important to have. Yep. Okay. So that was that was my number two. That was your number two. All right. Sorry, I feel like I stole some of your thunder there. No, that's okay. <laughs> I'm feeling like your number two should be on my list, but it's not. My number two is da 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 Terminator <laughs> Two. Man, Terminator Two. Actually, one of the later blockbusters I saw. I saw it at uh, listener Dan's house um, when I was probably nineteen or twenty. And uh, he had always said, oh, you got to see, you got to see it. And I'd never actually seen any of the Terminator movies until that point. Obviously, I knew who they were. And it was it was intriguing. I mean, Robot Cyborg from the Future was going to be on my list to watch at some point. But, I mean, I was blown away. I was blown away at how cool it was, how much heart the story had, how great the graphics were, like the Liquid Metal T-1000. That's why I say that since this movie came out, I think, a year before Jurassic Park, it should get lauded as a movie that really revolutionized CG in movies because that liquid metal was nuts. And that mm-hmm. still holds up today for the most part. But like, even just as a character, I think Robert Patrick makes such a good enemy as the T 1000. And you got to imagine like people that saw the movie, all the marketing, the commercials makes it seem like Arnie's back as the Terminator to finish the job, to kill the boy, John Connor. And They subvert your expectations by giving you this, you know, scrawny guy who dresses as a cop who you go, oh yeah, he's the human. He's, this is like the new Kyle Reese who's going to protect John. And early on in the movie, and I wish like, I wonder, I would have given so much to be part of a movie theater audience like on premiere night, seeing that battle in the mall where suddenly you realize that Arnie's the good guy. And the T-1000 right. is bad. Yeah. And that is just such a good subversion of expectations. And then it seems so awkward. Like, how? How can this robot form this connection with this boy? But it seems so authentic. 
in in how Terminator becomes this father figure to John, which carries forth through all the rest of the movies until the end. To me, it's everything that a blockbuster should be. It's cutting edge technology. It's great acting. It's great action. It's heart. It's crowd pleasing. I just think it's awesome. It is a uh, tragic oversight that this is not on my <laughs> list. <laughs> because, yeah, um, I agree everything you say. Like, they just... It's difficult to even compare this to the original, to The Terminator, because of, like you say, that subversion that they, they, they've they done. And they're like almost... Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, But looking back at how this that franchise has also progressed, it's kind of similar to Jurassic Park. It's almost like that switch to good guy robot was too early in the franchise's run because then everything else, they had nothing to do. There was no way they could even iterate on on that, right? Because, like, it's all just the same shit. Yeah. It's a good point. Until they finally, you know, decide to do a, a, a time travel-y, timey-wimey reboot because they already have time travel built into their main core of the, the franchise's plot. So why the fuck not? Let's play with that, I guess. Great pick. I mean, just good pick. Like, I don't know. I don't. What is your number one? I don't even know. <laughs> You'll have to stay tuned. <laughs> What's your number one, though? Okay. My number one, Phil's. I mean, I had to have a superhero movie on here. I knew what it was going to be, honestly. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 2, number one slot. I fucking love this movie. Doc Ock, um and spidey man that's such a great relationship that was portrayed on screen here uh because you you like doc ock is one of those like anti villains um you know he's not quite an anti-hero but he's like not full villain um because i mean he you just really easily understand what his motivations are and and like the the tribulations that he has to go through and where he failed and why he failed are at, at the core because of himself, right? It's not anything really that Spidey is doing. And yes, he he's developed this this AI that kind of runs rampant with his own his own thinking, right? And and poisons his own thinking, of which he ultimately ends up overcoming, which is great. Uh, and I'm really fucking stoked to have him come back in the next Spider-Man movie. That's gonna be fucking amazing. Which apparently. He's this. It just comes right back. It's like as if he's picked up right from the end of Spider-Man 2. So I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen. But like, that's enough to get me to go see that in the theater. Like that that next coming Spider-Man movie. Because Far From Home was uh, let down after Homecoming, in my opinion. Far From Home felt very generic. Uh, as great as Jake uh, Gyllenhaal was as uh, Mysterio, I don't know. Far From Home sucked. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man 2, though, classic Spidey movie. Is is Alfred Molina coming back as Doc Ock or is yeah. he a different actor? Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's great. He's a great actor. He's a, he, I think he's one of he those. Is. You wish he did more stuff. Yes. You're like, Alfred yeah. Molina, why is he not well, doing more? He feels like one of those classic actors where you recognize him but just don't know his name, right? Like one of those character yeah. actors that you just always can recognize and is always has a standout performance, but you just never know who the fuck he is. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, yeah, that's that's a great choice too. So many good choices. And even though there there's only been like one overlap so far. Mm-hmm. Um 
so many good choices. Uh, my number one is Independence Day. Oh, I friggin' love Independence Day. I think it is one of the most satisfying, awesome movies that you could see. There's just great combat with the aliens, you know, in the planes. There's you've got Jeff Goldblum, you've got Bill Pullman, you've got Will Smith, like just all the cast you want to see in a movie like that. Um, I think the movie also should be shown in film schools as the best way to do special effects because sure it has some good CG effects, but they also composite it with miniatures and map paintings and, and all sorts of other technology that they had. And I think it makes, it makes the best result for special effects and it makes these kind of quality special effects that I think will hold up forever. Whereas over-reliance on CGI, which happens soon after, sure, CGI is good in some shots, but it's not good for absolutely everything. But that's what it's become relied upon nowadays. Whereas back in the mid-90s, they still didn't know enough about it. They still had to composite it with other technologies. And I think that was kind of a secret golden era of of special effects that we don't really talk about. It was the area era where everybody had to know everything and the best special effect was used in the best spot, regardless of, Oh, we, you know, let's just keep things simple and make it all CGI. Right. So, and like, I think the acting's really good too. Um, I just think it's compelling that you've got these aliens coming and, uh, you know, that they checkmate and take out all the major cities at once. It's just, I don't know. I just love Independence Day and I mm. want to watch it again so bad. Man, that's that's one I think I've only seen maybe once or twice. Uh, and it's another like older one. Like it's yeah, getting upwards of 30 years old now, right? Like, <laughs> wow, that's almost years old. Unfathomable to think about like. <laughs> totally is totally is so difficult to think about but that's it listener yeah that is it it's interesting to know that like how just how old uh our picks were like what does mm-hmm. that say about the current era because so how i got a few of these picks off of i was looking at some of the highest like the top 100 highest grossing uh films at the box office and you look at it and it's all like obviously it's all just marvel stuff now right it's either Marvel stuff or yeah. like Titanic and Ben Hur, depending on what list you're looking at. If it's adjusting for inflation, and uh, and, and so it's like all Disney stuff now. It's all it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know like I enjoy the Marvel movies and stuff like that, but to have them as all the blockbusters nowadays, it's just stale. Yeah, right. You they need they need like maybe a different way to compile a list. It's just filter out Disney. <laughs> That's all you do, right? Disney, like, toggle. Yeah, no. uncheck. And all Disney the other yeah. <laughs> okay, well, oh, man. I mean, like you say, that was a pretty laid back. That was a bit of a shorter one, but that was good. That was good. That was good. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed that, listener. So, uh, yeah, play Volheim if you've got friends and watch some of those movies. There you go. All right. End of show stuff. Our website is ttpopcast.com where you find all of our links to uh, show notes. Uh, definitely the game that we spoke about will be linked in the show notes. Uh, our socials, the TF Popcast on Facebook, TT Popcast on Instagram. Uh, I'm Leland underscore Steel on Twitter. 
And that's who I've been. And I'm Moby. I just occasionally used to troll Leland online, but now I sometimes post on our Facebook page, and that's about all I do. So, <laughs> anyways, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.